0: Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of A Kilo of String, my podcast series about what life is really like in Greece, at least from the point of view of one British expat, me. I didn't say very much about the political situation in Greece during my last podcast, but I can hardly avoid it this time in the aftermath of Greek election 2, The Electorate Strikes Back. It ended up being a bit of a damp squib, to be honest, as the result was pretty much as most people had predicted. Two general elections and the best part of 100 million euros later, and the government's really not that different from before the whole sorry business began. One big and tragic difference, however, is that the Greek neo-Nazi party Golden Dawn now has 18 of the 300 seats in Parliament, whereas they had none at all before the first election on the 6th of May. Call me naive if you like, but I seriously expected their support to nosedive between then and the June election, given some of their more lunatic rantings and the now world-famous face-slapping incident on a Greek news programme. Incidentally, the Golden Dawn MP who did the face-slapping subsequently blamed the whole thing on press bias. What? Elias kasidiaris you are charged that on the 7th of June, 2012, you did wilfully and grievously assault one Liana Canelli, a Communist Party MP. How do you plead? Not guilty on the grounds of press bias, your Honour. I beg your pardon. Well, she waved the newspaper at me, didn't she? That's what made me slap her. As well as the face slapping, the leader of Golden Dawn, or Golden Shower as I prefer to call them, publicly and frequently repeated such views as the Holocaust never really happened, and that the colonels in charge of Greece's military junta were actually quite nice chaps. But despite all this, the Golden Shower's vote dropped by only a minute amount between the two elections, with almost 7% of the Greek electorate apparently believing it's perfectly acceptable to slap a woman on live TV and randomly beat up anyone who isn't Greek. That there are about three quarters of a million Greeks still voting for these people clearly underlines the fact that the country needs to make serious improvement in its identification and treatment of mental illness. And speaking of illness, the new Greek government hasn't exactly got off to a flying start, with both the Prime Minister, Adonis Samaras, and Finance Minister Vassilis Rapanos both hospitalised almost immediately after the election and therefore unable to attend a vital EU summit in Brussels. I must say I'd be pretty keen to avoid the kind of grilling these two were expecting and it rather smacks of the bogus notes we used to con our mums into writing to the teacher. Please excuse Adonis from top-level European financial crisis meetings today as he has a slightly detached retina. To be fair, though, I'm sure Samaras' illness is entirely genuine. Although, when I first read the report, I thought it said he had a detached retina, which I thought was a bit of a lame excuse. But the cynic in me says it was quite a convenient way of getting out of a meeting where you'd find out exactly how that lamb on a spit feels on Easter Sunday. Come on, Adoni, out of that bed now. You'll be late for the meeting. Oh, Ma, do I really have to go? Of course you do, Moromu. You're the new Prime Minister, remember? But they'll all be shouting at me, and it'll all be about bailout conditions and budget deficits. And you know how I hate arithmetic. Why can't Vasilis go instead? He's the Finance Minister after all. He can't. His mother just phoned and said he has a tummy upset. What? The lying bastard. I saw him last night and there was nothing wrong with him. Language, Adonis. Now come on, I've made your favourite breakfast. It's so unfair. I bet Venizelos' mum would. Wait a minute, I have an idea. Adonis, what are you doing? Why are you beating yourself on the back of the head with a very large book? Ah, that's got it. Can't see a damn thing. What will happen with Greece's economic crisis over the next few weeks and months is anybody's guess. And particularly, of course, whether Greece will leave or be kicked out of the Eurozone. Many so-called experts have said that this might be the best thing for the country and have made comparisons with Argentina's dramatically improved financial situation after it stuck two fingers up to its creditors and the IMF and unpegged the peso from the US dollar. I'm no economist, so I had no idea if this kind of thing would work for Greece or not. If it did, though, my biggest fear is that somebody would then produce some dreadful musical with Elena Paparizou singing hit songs from the show like Don't cry for me, Angela Merkel. Mentioning Argentina puts me in mind of, no, not the Falklands. I'm talking about Diego Maradona's hand-of-God goal, which illegally knocked England out of the 1986 World Cup, which in turn brings me rather neatly, I think, to the subject of Euro 2012. On this occasion, England were justifiably dumped out of the competition at the quarter-final stage, But the match which seemed to invite the most interest and created unprecedented levels of anticipation even among those who are sadly impervious to the joys of the beautiful game of football was that between Greece and Germany. They say you shouldn't mix sport and politics but on this occasion it was impossible to divorce the two as this extract from the BBC's post-match discussion clearly demonstrates. So, Germany 4, Greece 2. It was never going to be an easy one for Greece though, was it, Alan? Aye, Gary, especially as they only had eight players on the pitch because Angela Merkel insisted they reduce their team by 30% to comply with EU bailout conditions. And of course they were without two of their star players, Samaras with an eye injury and Rapanos with a stomach upset. Aye, Gary... But it's been rumoured that Samaras's eye injury was self-inflicted and Rapanos was just shamming. My guess is they probably didn't want another thrashing at the hands of the Germans. Unusual formation adopted by Germany, wouldn't you say, Alan? Nobody on the left at all. Centre or right, all so they seem to have. Strange that Greece's right wing didn't exploit the gap then. Man, they were so far right they were up in the stands and seemed far more interested in slapping women and beating up anyone who didn't look Greek than playing the game. Shocking scenes indeed, Alan, and a rather bad-tempered match altogether, didn't you think, Alan? I Gary, plenty of yellow cards, and most of them to Greece for time-wasting. Constantly arguing amongst themselves about who should take a free kick, who should be on the left or the right, and then Greece's Papandreou being sent off, of course. Correct decision, Alan? No doubt about it, Gary. Greece were awarded a penalty fair and square. But in a game at this level, you just cannot allow players to hold a referendum over who's going to take it whenever they feel like it. And an awful lot of diving in this game too, Alan. Aye, Gary, terrible. And I'd single out three players in particular. Every few minutes, FTSE, NASDAQ or Nikai would take a dive and often all at the same time. And finally, Alan, any sympathy for Greece's veteran left-winger PASOK? Well, what can you say, Gary? Four own goals in a single match. To be honest, I'd be amazed if PASOK ever played at this level again. I was about to say that's more than enough politics and sport for this episode, but I've just heard that Vasilis Rapanos has just resigned as Greece's new finance minister, and will be replaced by Yanis Stourneras. Interestingly, this is one of the people involved in negotiating Greece's entry into the Eurozone in the first place, when more than a few untruths were told about the country's financial position. Seems like a good choice, then. It's also just been reported that another member of the cabinet has resigned five days after taking office. The words rats and sinking ships spring to mind. Okay, that really is enough politics, and I've just got time to tell you a bit about the wedding I went to on Kefalonia that I mentioned in the last podcast. It all went very well, thanks, and a great time was had by one and all. But there was one particular incident that struck me as interesting concerning Greek marriage traditions. On the morning of the wedding, the young woman who was serving the bridegroom his breakfast suddenly slapped him round the face, apparently for good luck. And it occurred to me that the Golden Dawn guy might have been better off claiming that he thought the woman he slapped on TV was getting married. The fact that she's a fairly prominent lesbian and same-sex marriages aren't allowed in Greece and there were three pretty hard slaps might have been hard to explain. And I also think you're only supposed to do it to the groom and not the bride. But it would still have been a far more believable excuse than press bias. Another Greek wedding tradition, which certainly wasn't observed at the one on Keflonia and may not be anywhere else in Greece nowadays, was told to me by a Greek friend whose grandmother had passed it on to him. On the morning after the grandmother's wedding, the families of both bride and groom gathered in the kitchen where she was obliged to display the bedsheet that she and her new husband had used on their first night together. This was so the assembled company and especially the groom's family, could inspect it for signs of blood to check whether she really had been a virgin before the marriage. Apparently, when my friend's grandmother told him this story, she then winked at him and said, ''It's amazing what you can do with a couple of chicken livers.'' So, having firmly lodged that image in your minds, this is probably not a bad place to finish. I'm sorry if there was a bit too much politics and football this episode, and I promise I'll try and avoid both in the next podcast and come up with some good old-fashioned trivia instead. In the meantime, if you want to catch up with any of my previous podcasts you might have missed, just type a kilo of string into Google and that'll get you to the right place. And please do feel free to leave a comment. Thanks for listening, and until next time... Oh, sorry, I almost forgot. I have to tell you I have received a complaint from one of my listeners that the clinking of glasses at the end of each podcast is too loud and sets off his tinnitus every time he hears it. So, just for you, deafened of Brighton, cheers. (laughs) Yasas ganastakala.